Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris, and it's good to be back with you podcasting again today. Today, I wanted to talk mostly about the Mark of the Beast. I did a podcast episode about the Mark of the Beast a few episodes ago, uh, but this one will be a little bit different. I want to talk about some of the same things, but I have been researching more about it, trying to figure out what uh, I think about some of those difficult passages in Revelation 13 and other places in the book of Revelation. Um, also, I wanted to talk a little more specifically about some of the theories that are going around about the Mark of the Beast, since that does seem to be all the rage these days. Um, and I do think that there is some interesting things going on and stuff. So I, I just wanted to uh, kind of give you my view on some of that as well. I also wanted to very briefly touch on what I'm looking for in the possible rise of the Antichrist, uh, in my view, at least. And some of that is kind of a corollary to some of this Mark of the Beast research I've been doing over the past couple of days. So um, it just kind of flows naturally to that. Also, I wanted to briefly touch on how to navigate, or at least how I have been navigating this uh, sea of propaganda and uh, lies and how to feel a little bit better about it, even if the worst case scenario happens. And then I'll just uh, wrap it all up with a few updates about the film. All right, so let's get started. Really briefly, I wanted to first talk about a chart that I made and put out on my Twitter feed a few days ago. Uh, it's basically just a flow chart that uh, I made about the Mark of the Beast. It's a way to show your friends and family uh, the specific things that the Bible says about the Mark of the Beast, and it's laid out in sort of a, a yes or no sort of format. I'm just going to briefly read through the chart uh, as if I'm answering yes in each one and going to the next. So, is the Mark of the Beast a flow chart? Uh, is it required for everyone in the world to have to buy or sell? Yes. Does it have a number of a man, the Antichrist, associated with it? Yes. Is that number 666, the actual number 666, not just three sixes? Yes. Is it located on the right hand or the forehead? Yes. Was it ordered to be given by the false prophet? Yes. Has the same has that same false prophet also called down fire from heaven in the sight of men and raised an image of the Antichrist to life, which he requires everyone to worship or be killed? Yes. Since the mark is universally believed to be given only after the midpoint of the seven-year period, have you also seen a man making a covenant with Israel, which allows the sacrifices to be made at the temple, which means a temple in Jerusalem has been rebuilt? Have you also seen the same man conquering the world with warfare and then sitting in the rebuilt temple declaring himself to be God after he seems to resurrect from the dead? Have you also seen the worst persecution of all time begin right around the time that he sits in the temple declaring himself to be God? Yes, it is the mark of the beast. Of course, you've answered no to any of those. It goes to it's not the mark of the beast. I just updated that chart a little bit. Uh, I had a typo or two on it. I'll put it on the uh, website Bible Prophecy Talk, both as the main image for this podcast episode, and I'll also put it in the memes section on the website. So BibleProphecyTalk.com. Share it on Facebook or wherever, Twitter. It, it got more uh, retweets and likes than anything I've ever put on Twitter. I think it's a really important topic, and I'm sure that if you've got friends and family or social media, feel free to just share that. No credit needed on that. Okay, so. All right, so I want to get into first some specifics about the theories that are going on, and then I'll kind of talk about some of the research I've been doing about it myself uh, in terms of the actual Bible. But uh, in terms of the vaccine stuff and the research and the theories, I first want to talk really generally about it. I think that there is, and I should say, I don't have a problem with the Mark of the Beast being some kind of RFID chip or something that has a number on it with maybe the prefix of 666. I could see something like that. It could fit with my theory, I suppose. But I think the reason that a lot of people want it to be a vaccine or a chip or something like that is because, and I think the RNA vaccine idea, which is a, an idea that's a kind of a new type of vaccine that they're looking into with the coronavirus, which is um, which which is different than all the other types of vaccines that used to vaccines basically would kind of teach your body how to defend against something or ostensibly that was the theory and RNA vaccines are kind of a way to get uh, skip the step of uh, it having to be associated with that particular year's virus or whatever or whatever and uh, it can do some other things but the downside is of course it changes your RNA and can do who knows what probably cause a bunch of cancer uh, as you can probably tell, I'm not a big fan of vaccines and I'm not going to be in line at all. I'm going to resist and run from the vaccine as much as I possibly can. 
Uh, but that's a different that's a different uh, topic. It's a different podcast from is it the mark of the beast, and that's what we're trying to figure out today. But my point in looking at this in a macro way first is that I think that the reason I talked about this in the other podcast is that that people want it to be a, a chip or a vaccine especially an RNA-type vaccine, is because then they can get their head around some of the other passages later on in the book of Revelation, Revelation 14, 15, 16, uh, 19, and 20, which have references to the people getting the mark um, being uh, all of them that got the mark are going to be sent to to hell. Uh, let's see if I can find a good example. Um uh, them that uh, any the beast was taken with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which uh, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped the image in fact it's always it always uh, lumps the mark of the beast getters with those that worship the image of the beast they're always in the in these last four verses uh, in the non Revelation thirteen verses. Uh, five verses. Uh, it lumps it in with those that didn't worship the image. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receiveth the mark of his name. So my point first is to say that the reason why people like the idea of it being something that changes you is because it makes them feel better about uh, the idea of anybody that gets the mark goes to hell. It's really a question of the of the justice of God, I think, in people's hearts that make them have to insist that the mark does something. It, it makes you not able to repent. That's what it must do. Listen, guys, there's not a shred, a shred of evidence that the mark of the beast does something to anybody. It's just a mark. That's all the Bible says. It could. The Bible. I'm just saying that the Bible doesn't give us any information about that. The reason why people insist that the mark does something to you is because they don't really like that idea that the people that got the mark are uh, are going to uh, are all going to hell. Um, but I, I want to just draw your attention to something here in these passages again that it is always associated with the worship of the beast in his image. In other words, when you get the mark, as I said in the other one, you got to do it with eyes wide open. Now I can't exactly prove that from these verses and the verses in Revelation 13, even though, as I said, it's always associated with worshiping. And the reason I say it is because that that word and, let me pick out another one here. Uh, and the first one, and he poured out the vial on the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped his image. So it's, it always says that, that which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped the image, as if they're two groups now, that's not a hard and fast thing. I'd probably have to know something about Greek or something to know if, if they're lumped into the same thing. That is, those were the worshipers or also those that got the mark, or if not all worshipers uh, got the, or not all marked people are worshipers. It's not clear. So I can't pound the table here and say, everybody knows that you have to worship the beast in order to get the mark. I can't say that in good conscience, but I can say that that's what it really seems like when you look at Revelation 13 and what's happening with the in that context of the false prophet. I mean, you've got a guy, a false prophet, calling fire down from heaven, really showing everybody, hey, this guy is the guy, and everybody, Revelation 13, has begun to worship the beast because he rose from the dead. They worship the beast because who is like him, who can make war with him. They are all about the beast. And then you've got the false prophet who makes this image of the beast. And that's really where this all kind of comes down to. I think the image of the beast, which I presume is going to be in the temple, uh, is going to to really be the thing that everybody gets forced to worship. It's all about this worship of the image of the beast. like you, Because that's when it says that he kills anybody that won't worship the image of the beast. And um, so my point is, I think that's why it's linking the mark to this. Because it's like, hey, everybody, guess what? You all have to worship the image of the beast. Uh, anybody that's on this team will get a mark. Anybody that will refuse to worship the image of the beast will will not get a mark. In other words, it, it very much seems like an eyes wide open thing, not something you can be tricked into. And I think it kind of goes one hand in the other. If you believe that you can be tricked into getting the mark, like if you didn't actually do some deep conspiratorial research, then you might accidentally get the mark of the beast. Then of course you would have to believe that the mark of the beast also changes you because that's such a stupid reason to go to hell is because you accidentally got it because you didn't, uh, you know, 
because you didn't research the right conspiracy theory, then of course you have to believe it changes you because you can't fathom the idea of God doing that. And I can't either. That's a stupid idea. But on the other hand, if the mark of the beast is something that you got to do eyes wide open, you got to say, okay, I'm going to worship that image of the beast because I don't want to be killed and I want to be able to eat and feed my family. Then, hey, that's apostasy, y'all. That's what that's what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times when after the midpoint is a great apostasy is going to happen. And that apostasy, I'm telling you, is going to be based off this ultimatum that you got to get this, worship the beast, or you die, plus don't eat. That's that's going to be, and, and, and trust me, guys, there's going to be a really, it, it's always a carrot in the stick with Satan. He's going to be like, well, that's a pretty bad thing. But on the other hand, you know, this could actually be true. This could, guy actually could be what he says and all this other stuff. So it's going to be like easy-ish to apostatize too, because it's not going to be presented like a guy in horns, like I am really, really bad. <laughs> He's going to be having a false, uh, a false prophet and a false uh, doctrine that's going to be really convincing, and it's going to be tailored for Christians. Why does he? Why is he going to work so hard to to uh, to deceive a bunch of unsaved people that are going to hell anyway? I'm telling you guys, this deception is going to be tailored. Uh, for us. All right. So let's talk specifics about the current theories about the mark of the beast being a number of things. I'm not even going to entertain the mask theory because I think that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. If you have anybody that is teaching you anything about anything about Bible prophecy, and they've even floated the idea that a mask can be the mark of the beast, run. And it's not because they're intentionally bad run because and it's not because this theory is so stupid uh what your, your right hand or forehead is that where you guys are wearing your mask um anyway um run from them because that's not the first thing dumb thing that they're going to teach you in and and in this environment they're going to teach you a bunch more dumb things so run away from anybody who's even floated that idea that the mask could be the mark of the beast that was just infuriating to me but on the vaccine stuff, so there is a lot of things going on that I see stuff that the, the, the vaccine, Bill Gates is going to, to put a chip in the vaccine and that chip is going to have, uh, and maybe not all of, them, all of them are so blatant, but there's sort of a generalized kind of, it's the mark of the beast idea. And I think that what's happening here is they're combining three true facts. Uh, fact number one, RFID chips exist and I'm sure that the technology of RFID chips are, are a lot better these days. I don't have any specific evidence to suggest that. But first, it should be noted that RFID chips emit a very low radio frequency that are, are, are used for beep, you know, checking somebody. They're not, they don't, as far as I know, have high-powered GPS ch uh, chips and uh, batteries that can reach to space and that kind of, you can't be tracked by an RFID chip, as far as I know. But then again, maybe there is some kind of new technology that does that. But that's not really my point. But RFID chips exist, number one. Number two, quantum dots um, is really gaining a lot of support in the mark uh, uh, category. And so what quantum dots are is, and I could be getting some of the specifics wrong. I'll put a link to uh, to the sort of abstract of the, the, the study that is being referenced when anything is being referenced on quantum dots. But basically, it seems as though by a, a bunch of different metals on the tip of a vaccine needle. Um, I, some kind of metals that basically will, you can't see them with the naked eye, but they will, will have some illuminescence under certain conditions. If you have like a certain uh, thing on your smartphone, a little camera, you can see like a little tiny microscopic dots that have lights. Um, so you could say this person has been vaccinated and I suppose you could, depending on where you vaccinated somebody or maybe the sort of nature of the dots or something, you could say this person has been vaccinated. So it would be a way to mark somebody that they had received a vaccination. Okay. So what I want to try to get across to you while I think, you know, again, that's sort of terrible idea and everything else like that, it, it's very low information and certainly not anything that could have a specific uh, number associated with it uh, or even an identification or anything like that. It's just, a, you know, some metal fragments basically that have uh, the ability to be seen under certain conditions uh, to basically give you a binary choice. Have you been vaccinated? Yes or no. So that's number two, that there is a marking happening with vaccinations that is 
uh, and I think quantum dots, I don't know if they're widely being used or not. I, I'm not quite sure. I think that quantum dots, was that was just sort of a paper put out and funded by Bill Gates uh, that may have been theoretical, but of course theoretical probably means it's in use somewhere in some, some dark corner of Africa. Um, and then the third thing that's being combined here is a digital identity also Bill Gates is behind, Microsoft is behind, and this is a little probably more nefarious than all of them in terms of, I could see something like this being used for the Mark of the Beast system someday. It's a digital identity that is secure, so it's probably gonna be based on some kind of blockchain situation so it can't be hacked or whatever, but it's gonna store all the elements of your digital identity, and that would of course include vaccines and probably you know your vaccine history, and probably would uh, be rolled out to the world in the the cover of a vaccine situation. I don't know if it would be this one or whatever, but the idea of giving everybody in the world a number and getting their, uh, you know, your, your all your digital stuff would be on that. So those three things are being uh, combined to say that this COVID uh, vaccine is the mark of the beast. So a couple takeaways. First, I want to point out that the concept of a chip and I think that they're going to use this one against us. Um, so be really careful of this. Never let this one get told to you that it's about a chip. It's not about a chip. There's no chip involved in any of this, at least that I've heard of. Um, and it's kind of being promoted, you know, in the mainstream media, these crazy Christians, they don't like the vaccine because they say they got a chip and it's an easy thing for them to say. It's like, you know, conspiracy theories include flat earth and we know that flat earth doesn't exist. So, conspiracy theories don't exist. It's a stupid, stupid little thing that they're, they're doing with the chip concept. In other words, I believe that the chip concept, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if this whole sort of mashup of things and the, you know, let's put a six, six, three sixes somewhere in the patent of that one blockchain thing that we talked about a few episodes ago, just to, to stir up the pot to get Christians to start to do this stuff and to believe this stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if the first person that floated the idea that there was a chip associated with this vaccine is probably in some alphabet letter organization or something, because that's the thing. They need a really dumb conspiracy theory in order to, to point us as the enemy. The, the reason that we won't comply and the reason we're putting their family in danger is because we're really stupid. And then they need something exceptionally stupid to show us how dumb they are. It will make their anger uh, at our putting their children in danger, you know, how it's going to go. Uh, and it's going to make them kill us one of these days. So be careful of that idea that there's a chip in it. There's no chip. Quantum dots are dumb dots. Remember that there is nothing as far as I have read in the paper. And I, I didn't read the whole paper, read some of the abstracts or whatever, and I've read a little bit about the rest of it. It, it, it. It's a it's a little bit of metal that illuminates showing that you have been marked. And none of this, by the way, is in your right hand or forehead, right? Vaccine in your right hand or forehead. What kind of stupid doctor vaccinates somebody in the right hand or forehead? The reason that there is that dual choice of right hand or forehead I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that the idea is that you you would prefer to mark everybody in the mark with the mark of the beast in their right hand. It needs to be a place that it's, it's uniform, that everybody like show us your mark, you know, right hand. Why you no got tattoo? <laughs> uh, for your idiocracy fans, um, the 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 idea of the forehead is that it's sort of secondary location. Not everybody has a right hand. Uh, some people don't have right hands. Uh, in that case, you would mark them on their forehead. Okay, so that's, and then the database thing, while I do think it's uh, certainly scary, I think that what that, when I first heard that, it was like, this vaccine is going to mark everybody, and now they're going to like have you in digital database, and here's Bill Gates talking about this particular plan, which is just essentially think of it as, as a database. It's, it's a terrible thing. Again, as a libertarian, it's the worst thing possible to give everybody uh, a digital identity account associated with Microsoft, I guess, and uh, have all your information on there. Uh, and that, of course, would be a good precursor, would be a good uh, uh, backbone to put the system when it does come into play. But my point, I guess, is also I'm sort of assuming that the Mark of the Beast will be digital in some way as well, but I have no real proof for that. Um, it could easily just be a mark. I mean, that's what the word is in, uh, in, in Greek there. It's just a mark. It's like an etching. It's just a, it can be very, very low tech. I don't think it probably will be. But here's another thing that it has to be. That second thing, Revelation 13, 18, uh, it has to be a number of a man. Here is wisdom. It's a number of a man, okay? 
and obviously it's it, that man is the Antichrist makes it clear in that same verse. So it, it's his name. It's a name. It's a number. It's a number of a man. And it's associated with the mark of the beast. So all those things have to be associated with it. So whatever the Antichrist name is, has to be on the mark. Okay. And again, it's not three sixes. Uh, it is 666. And how do I know that? It is because of the calculate. Several times it says you have to calculate the number. You have to add it up. You have to, you, you, you can't just be, oh, look at this patent number. It has, and again, those patent numbers don't have three sixes in it. I mean, it does have three sixes, but it's like separated 6,066 or whatever it was and associated with a whole bunch of other numbers. Uh, but that's not it. It's 666 and you have to add it up to get to that. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. All right, so let's move into some of what I've been trying to think about the Mark of the Beast and just go over the passage again and again, trying to figure out if any can get any kind of new information about it or any new thoughts about it. Uh, let me read uh, a little here. I'll start in verse 14 of Revelation 13. And by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, this is talking about the false prophet, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image of the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 666. Okay, so, you know, reading over that, some of the things that that I've been trying to think about is that last part, uh, this calls for wisdom, let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man, his number is 666. And I've always had sort of a default position of this, that the Antichrist, when he arrives, his name will somehow calculate to the number uh, 666, and it's just a matter of counting it up. My default has been Germatria, which is a form of letters equaling numbers. This is what, uh, now I never really liked that, especially I came into this research a few days ago expecting to deviate from the Germatria angle. And the reason is that, that when you look up Germatria, just doing your, your initial research, it looks like it's all going to be pretty... Uh, kind of mystical Judaism stuff, like developed in the Talmud and afterwards. And a lot of Germatria did get, there's a lot of different types of Germatria, and a lot of it was developed much, much later than the biblical times. There's no evidence, for example, in the Bible of anybody using uh, any kind of form of Germatria. So that was always kind of weighing on me that you can't, you can't find any in instance of a number of a man anywhere else in the Bible. So I just you know, was looking for an alternative explanation for that. And that's what the focus of, I think, my research on this was. So I'm kind of back to the Germatria idea now, and a couple things kind of led me in that direction, at least a form of Germatria. Okay, so Germatria, as I said, is a lot of different uh, things. Like, for example, in like later on in Jewish mysticism, they started making certain letters be like, well, the square root of this and that equals that. And you have to do all this weird stuff that they would do to get all these weird outcomes in, in the, uh, in the Bible. Um, but, but here's what the main thing that got me is that in the Bible times, in the Greek times, when John was writing the book of revelation, for example, um, they did not have a number numerical number system. It wasn't until they started using Arabic numerals for numbers that they had separate sort of numbers uh, for uh, for things. So a Greek character in John's time, and I knew this back then, but I guess I must have forgot it. A Greek character um, was the same thing as a number. And this made me think of something too, just as off the top of my head right here. One thing I'm really frustrated about is this this Mark of the Beast theory that Walid Shobat has, of course, where it's the cross swords and then in the name of Allah, you know, and that John saw just a vision floating in the air of something that was drawn. I did a really good, I think a really just solid, completely destroying debunking of Walid Shobat's theory several years ago, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it has been. And what's just so frustrating that all the, that video stuff that I did in, in the old times, 
you can't find it. It's so shadow banned. I can't find it anywhere. I had to go get somebody else's upload of it in order to share it on, on, on Twitter the other day. But I'll put that in the show notes, too, if that's what you guys are thinking of the Mark of the Beast is. It's definitely not cross swords and in the name of Allah. It is 100% not that, I can assure you. And check the links at Bible Prophecy Talk for this uh, for this uh, episode to find out why. So anyway, back to the Gematria thing. So the Greek letters in John's time did mean a number. So that's important. So I guess you could say when John says... Uh, this calls for wisdom. Let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. A couple things there. The calculating of a name, a number of a name in that scenario makes perfect sense because that's what they did. You would calculate this number. Like, for example, uh, alpha, the first letter in the Greek alphabet, would be a one. Beta would be two. And then you would get you know, by the time you get up to the the letters of, you know, 30, you know, 24 plus 16 plus whatever, and a name could very quickly add up to 666. And they did add up to that. And you see that in the early church, they're trying to find out like Caesar Nero, uh, you know, they, they would do different combinations of stuff to get to 666. So that, so I'm kind of back to that. And, and there's a few things that, that also lean towards that in the, you can't find a lot of references to Gematria in history, but there are some, for example, I think it's in a, like a Sumerian, either Sumerian or Akkadian or some very old situation where a king is building a temple and it says that the cubits added up to his name and that's the reason he did it. And so, you know, he was using geometry of that sort. But like I said, that particular geometry that we're talking about is of the ragil sort, R-A-G-I-L. And that brings me to a paper that I read last night by Hal Harless in the Conservative Theological Journal, which I will also link. And it was a good paper in that it was a very methodical breakdown of the mark of the beast. I didn't agree with all of his conclusions. He thinks that the, uh, that, the that it's all going to be this Roman sort of... Inv- he he gets, lets his presuppositions get into the paper more than I would like, but he does do some pretty solid uh, research and basically comes down to the same conclusions that I had, but, but he got there showing his work, so to speak. So... Uh, a couple things he says in this abstract, thus the number of the beast, this is kind of his summary of the first part of his paper, thus the number of the beast is the calculation based on a specific man's name. The method of the calculation is gematria of the ragil sort. The preferred languages are Greek and Hebrew. The total value of the beast's name is 666. So, for example, that last part, the total value of the beast's name is 666. He comes to that conclusion as opposed to the textual variance. There's a textual variant. I think one is 616 or something like that. There's a couple, there's a couple variants, but a lot of them are from later, uh, 9th century. There is one early one that Irenaeus, one of the earliest church fathers, mentions, and Irenaeus roundly criticizes that textual variant and, and says that it's not true. And so there's really good reason to believe that it's 666, not anything else. Uh, That's where he got that. But one of the interesting things that I took away from this, besides sort of confirming that it has to be Gematria, was that it has to be in Greek. Now, he he strongly supports the idea that it must be Greek, uh, that is using Greek letters, not take my name, convert it to Greek, and then convert it back to whatever, or Hebrew. Um, But it has to be be that, your Greek name and... uh, and that's interesting to me because, of course, my theory, and this kind of gets into the second part of the podcast, which I, what I'm looking for in The Mark of the Beast. And as I said, in this paper, he really leans towards the idea that it probably should be in Greek. The guy's name should be in Greek to convert successfully in what's being referred to here in the Gematria. Although Hebrew did the same thing with the same letters. The Hebrew had um, the same letter equals a number concept before the Arabic numerals too. So it it is logical to do that, but it's just more logical for it to be Greek. Anyway, so some of you know that my theory is that the Antichrist will rise from either Greece or Macedonia, which might as well be Greece. And I I believe that because of Daniel 11, 40 through 45, in which the king of the West is not mentioned. The king of the West, I believe, is the Antichrist in that passage when he destroys everybody. 
In other words, I believe that that whole idea of the, 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 the coming from a ten nation place and he subdues three of them first and then goes on to to fight those wars in Revelation eleven forty five, or maybe it is even the wars in Daniel eleven forty through forty five that is being talked about in other places in Daniel where he subdues the three kings and then consolidates the kingdom. So his rise to power, either you can think of that as the the subduing the three kings that of the ten nation confederacy and then using that as a sort of power base. Or if we're seeing a picture of him doing that when he defeats Assyria, Libya, Egypt, uh, tries to defeat Edom, Moab, and Ammon, but uh, they escape from his hands. All that stuff going on there in Daniel 11, 40 through 45. So my theory is that he he's going to come from Greece, from Macedonia, somewhere in there. So I when I look at the news, I'm looking for, this is what I'm expecting to happen. I mean, not necessarily in my lifetime, but I'm certainly looking for it is that something happens where this guy from from Greece, Macedonia, whatever, has an army that cannot be defeated, that has something new, something interesting, something supernatural, something technological, I don't know, but they, they become the world superpower because of this thing that they have. They are not able to be defeated. They, uh, uh, but this war, so here's a couple things that are going on right now geopolitically. And I want to come back and say that this probably doesn't have anything to do with anything because I don't think it does because it has to fit another context that I'll talk about later. But I want to show you how interesting it is. So Greece right now is, Turkey is Turkey is about, about to try to take some natural gas thing and sort of that's, in, that's right in between Cyprus and Greece. It's Greece's, everybody knows it's Greece's, but Turkey's like, I'm going to take it. And Greece is like, we're prepared to do whatever we got to do to make you not take that. So Pretty much, unless something happens, I mean, war is 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 being talked about openly between uh, Greece and Syria. Now, that would actually be exactly what happens in Daniel eleven forty through forty five. In my view, the uh, the king of the West, in this case Greece, would completely destroy. The first thing he does is destroy the king of the North, which is Assyria, which is Turkey. Completely destroys the 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 Turkish kingdom, but all the others that are involved. Look in the news right now. Guess who else is involved? Libya and of course Egypt and Cyprus, all of which are mentioned in that passage. In other words, I I could see it developing rapidly. That but the main thing has to be that this warfare is utterly amazing. The other thing, though, the reason I think that it could I, I need to be careful because and not do some newspaper eisegesis, as it were, because. Because I don't actually think that fits the scenario. Because as much as I've tried to kind of piece this together in a timeline, it really doesn't make sense to... Well, I guess a first part of it could could be something like that. Uh, I guess he has to be sort of discovered to be this amazing military person first, this god of fortresses that he worships. But But I think that it has to be in the context of after the covenant is made with Israel. So whatever... He defeats these enemies in this great Mediterranean battle, basically, and subdues all of all of the Mediterranean countries. Uh, after the covenant is made with Israel, I think that it's the covenant made with Israel that I think you could make a very strong case that directly after the covenant, sacrifices begin at the temple, which we aren't close to. <laughs> I mean, it could happen overnight, I suppose, but uh, it, it's not being talked about. So it's only after that that the war starts that he begins to subdue everybody. So it's that first three and a half years um, that I'm looking to to see those wars in Daniel 11:40 through 45. And those first three and a half years do not start until a covenant made with many, Daniel 9:27 happens. And I believe, and I can't quite prove it. I, I do know that at the middle of the three and a half years, the sacrifices at the temple are stopped. So, what time? When do they start in relationship to the beginning of that covenant and the the rest, the three first three and a half years? I don't know, but my suspicion is that they start right at the beginning. That's part of whatever covenant that he makes as the sacrifices start. And my hunch is this is getting to theory land that um, that it's the fact that you are making animal sacrifices on the temple mount that causes the king of the north to attack in the first place because that's what happened that's what's happening in Daniel 11:45 the antichrist is being attacked by these muslim countries and he successfully defends against this massive attack I, i'm i'm assuming that the antichrist will make it seem like that's the gog magog war 
you know, this this great army coming against him. Meshach and Tubal will all come against him. And of course, you're going to have your people out there that believe already it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a dangerous thing if you follow certain people out there, which will remain nameless. But uh, so that's where I get into my theories about the Mark of the Beast. Okay, so with this section of the podcast, I just want to talk about some stuff about the lies and the propaganda. I've been talking, it's sort of been a theme of this podcast since I've uh, come back and started podcasting again, which is to um, to understand that the propaganda is not meant for you. It's meant for the people that will believe anything. And I, I feel conflicted about that. What I've started to notice is they've ramped up the lies and to the point where they are just saying like Nazi-esque propaganda kind of lies is that you've got your pundits and, and conservative people out there just being utterly frustrated about it because that's the thing that always frustrated them in, in the first place is that every day with the news cycle the, the democrats would be saying some other new obviously wrong thing and they'd spend their three hours talking about how utterly stupid and provably wrong that was and uh the conservatives every day would say to themselves can you believe that the uh democrats are saying this new utterly wrong easily provable thing uh, and yet we're frustrated because we know that somehow people believe it. Uh, and that's in part, I think, because the power of propaganda in the first place, people, certain people will always, no matter, there's always a certain segment of the population that will always believe the state. They will always believe the propaganda. They will always believe whatever is officially told to them for whatever reason, not necessarily because they're dumb, because they just can't conceive of anything else. And that's really, if you were in Nazi Germany and you were reading the papers every day and you'd heard about another thing that the Jews did wrong, gosh, can you believe these Jews are doing this? You would become an armband wearing uh, Jew hater as, as quickly as anybody if you believed in papers in Nazi Germany. So that's what I'm the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is this. It's gotten to the point now where I I think the only thing that we can do for our mental health is to recognize that this is no longer about truth or arguments. Arguments are so 2019. Facts and, and, and convincing people uh, are a thing of the past. It is now only about power. It doesn't matter if it's true or not anymore. It, to in certain situations, it only matter who has it matters who has the power to enforce their uh, beliefs. And uh, right now, it's amazing how much power they have just by having the levers that they do currently control the media. The institutions such as the, the educational institutions, the corporations, that alone is basically enough power to do whatever they want. Certainly have the power of the purse. They have your job since they have the corporations. Or even if the corporations aren't in on it, they probably most of them are but at the top levels, but they uh, certainly have the power to fire anybody that's not. So the, effectively, it's a huge lever to have. The only thing they don't have is the presidency, and they have most politicians, uh, enough politicians to to make a difference anyway um and really the presidency has been so handicapped because of their propaganda machine that it's almost useless so what i guess i want to say here is this you have to understand that that seems to be true to a certain look okay two things first off i want to say that in one sense in my heart the reason i kind of can deal with the lies because i'm not a person that can deal with lies easily it's the reason i've debunked things ever since i had the ability to debunk things uh, is because i can't stand lies so this would kill me if i let it all the lies that are happening right now i can't stand people being deceived um but i'm okay and in a sense these days it's because i know that even if you showed the world the truth they would still go on sinning. They would say, oh, Jesus is Lord, huh? Okay, well, I'm going to go sin now. See you later. I, I think that we think if the world could just see the truth, and that's true to a certain extent, there are those written in the book of life that right now all they really need is the, the red pill, as it were. 
and they would get it anyway. It's God's, uh, it's God's kingdom. It's his people. He's going to save who he's going to save. And I think um, what I pray for is for God to, to lift the veil before this is all said and done and to show people the truth about, about what's really happening in the media and everything else so that those people that are out there that can that would be saved, that can be convinced of arguments still, and that those arguments would lead them to Jesus Christ and repentance and salvation. There are those out there that they just need the truth. There, there are very few, I'm, I'm afraid. It's probably less than one in 10 <laughs> statistically, but, but there are those people that are true believers that would follow the facts right to the arms of uh, Calvary. However, that's uh, not, not, going to be a very typical situation, but I do pray for that to happen for those people. And just to be a part of getting the fruit of those people's salvation, I think that we should all join in a prayer for that and take some time right now to pray for the veil to be lifted on some of this deception so that the people that can be saved by that veil lifting will be saved. The other end of that is that what helps me give me solace is that once that's done, the rest that that can't be convinced by an argument that you could show them that Jesus Christ is Lord, that that, that God is, you know, whatever proof that you're going to, to show them. And they'll say, OK, well, then I openly reject God. I mean, think of that in the Bible, you know, the old time Old Testament. Nobody had any any doubt that God was real. Uh, they just rejected him, you know, and I think that's what you have to realize is that there was never a, an atheist movement in the in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It was just people rejecting them because they because they wanted to sin, and that's what we're going to ultimately be dealing with. So all that to say that my where I am putting my arguments these days is those within the flock, because I believe that we are the last place where arguments matter and where truth matters. It's a little tough. We've still got the human flesh, those propensities towards sticking to our guns and not believing those things that we don't want to believe, especially about our sacred cow doctrines or whatever. But we've got a battlefield for those who are called to it uh, within the church. Uh, and that's where I'm, I'm happy to put some of my uh, arguing and, and, and logic and stuff, because that's the things that I think still matter within the church. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this, that you shouldn't have a ministry towards arguing with your atheist friends and engaging with them. God is calling all kinds of people to all kinds of ministries. And, uh, so that's not what I'm saying is that we should just abandon that altogether, but understand that I think for the most part, um, in terms of this propaganda and the way that it's going, um, it's just going to play out how it's going to play out. And there's nothing that you can do about, about it. You know, it frustrates me to no end to think that people honestly believe that, you know, a Trump, a Trump supporter is the same thing. And I, I, it's hard for us to believe that you could actually equate the two with a white supremacist, somebody that hates black people and that hate and wants to, I don't know, all the stuff that they get told every day that wants to have some, that wants to be a dictator that uh, wants to control the world, all the stuff that they lie about. If you believed that, you know, you would honestly believe a, a person wearing a Trump hat is one of those things. You couldn't have the ability to see it another way. You would say, this person is brazenly saying that they are a white supremacist. What is up with that? That person needs to be uh, destroyed in your, in your view, because you are a believer of propaganda. So we need to understand that that's the kind of level of stuff that's happening out there, the level of, of, of stuff in terms of the propaganda. As far as where it's all going, do I see a possibility of it going back to normal barring a miracle? And I think miracles are certainly possible. Some wild card could, uh, could show up. Uh, uh, I don't think it's going to be Kanye. He looks like he dropped out of the uh, race, which is too bad. You know, if I figured I had to watch it all burn, I would rather have watched it burn with Kanye at the helm. It would at least be uh, more entertaining, but alas, that does not seem to be the case. But I, I do want to give a little bit of hope with all of this. And I, I would say, you know, it does seem more and more likely with the flavor of the propaganda, especially the, the thing they're starting to roll out real heavy now that, uh, you know, Trump will contest the uh, election. And, and you know, basically, no matter what happens, they will sell the narrative that it's not a real election. Because obviously, if, if he wins by, in a landslide, they'll say that's proof that uh, he rigged the election. And there's really no no good way to win that. So they, they're 
prepping the riots now. They are really instigating a war. It should be high treason. But who are you going to arrest? The entire media? This whole thing is top-down satanic. Whoever has the power to control a worldwide lockdown to do this stuff. We're talking about trillionaires who you don't even know their name. And it will never. they have unlimited money to do all this stuff. It's satanic. It's evil. But my point, I guess, was that uh, they're going to to really make this uh, a lot of unrest towards the elections. Where that leads, I don't know. I hope it just leads to, you know, getting it all figured out after that, that the dust settles and it's not too crazy, you know, that he can prove that he, you know, I don't know how, how they ever, ever let him do it. But think about it. Can you even imagine a scenario where the media changes its tune or anything? <laughs> They're not going to change. They're going to ramp it up and just keep ramping it up and up and up. And there's always going to be the people that believe it. And, it, and it's just... I don't even know. Uh, I don't see that uh, that that when the dust settling and it being anywhere better, and especially with the economic situation going on. And we're dealing with something that is unprecedented economically. It, there's just a lot of reasons to get prepared, and I encourage you to do that. But the most thing I want to encourage you to do is to get prepared with your relationship to the Lord. I think I've said this a lot of times in this podcast so far, is that there's coming a time when the only prep that you do that matters is, and the only thing that does matter is which God you worship. And I mean that this way. When you don't have any preps, when, you, when you're sitting with the shirt on your back, with your family in the woods or something like that, uh, what's going to matter except for your God, God help. That's what's going to matter. And if you don't have that, then that's the one prep that you needed to have. And it just, it can be a foxhole prayer kind of thing, but I really encourage you to, uh, start praying more, uh, devote some time. I've been walking a lot lately and I love that 30 minutes of walk around the track in the park, uh, in my local park, because I, I pray that whole time. I pray, you know, the Lord's prayer, uh, kind of format prayer. Um, my Father, uh, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's just a time for praise, thinking of different ways that God is worthy of praise and stuff. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. I usually take that time to pray for his kingdom, the the, 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 the kingdom work that's being done. Pray for missionaries, pray for radio personalities, presidents, and and all kinds of people that are involved. Uh, not necessarily that the president is, is involved in, in his kingdom, but, you know, people, church pastors and people that need prayer that are out uh, helping his kingdom. Any kingdom projects that I might have going on, I spend some time just pouring out my heart with that kind of stuff. Uh, you'll be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us me this day my daily bread is a great time to pray whatever whatever I got going on. Lord, fix this thing, this injury I've got. Fix this, you know, uh, other thing. Thank you for the things that I have. If I, you know, if I'm not in any kind of need of that daily thing, I'll praise him for the things that I do have. But I do think it's important to pray for the things that you have later that day. Lord, help me to um, do this work efficiently and, and not waste time and just pray consistently all the time about those kinds of things that are happening in your day. And of course, uh, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me, self-explanatory, and then pray, take some time through the, uh, you know, uh, lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil, some spiritual warfare prayers. And, and by the time I'm done with that 30 minute walk, I mean, I'm usually done right, right there ending with that uh, walk. And I'll tell you, it's wonderful to pray like that because God wants us to pray to be involved in the work that he's doing so that we start to love him more once we see him answer those prayers. He loves to, to answer the small prayers so that he can build your faith up in, in his awesomeness, you know, that he listens to you. And then that way you're in a really good position uh, to, to do a lot of great, uh, great works in uh, the time that's coming. And I was thinking the other day when I was praying about you know, um, the evil and the, the killing that's certainly going to come one of these days. I just hope that I don't have to be killed for something stupid. I, I hope that I don't have to be killed for refusing to take a, uh, a vaccine, right? I don't think, as we have just looked at, I don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Uh, at least this vaccine or any vaccine that is on the horizon fits any of those qualifications. Uh, by the way, check that flow chart out on the website, but... But I don't want to, I'm not going to take it. And I just don't want to have to be killed for that. It's just a lame reason to get killed. Um, I want to, I want to die because somebody says, Hey, are you a Christian? You know, with a machete in their hand, I want to put my glasses in my pocket and say, I am a Christian. 
do whatever you got to do. I pray that God gives me the strength to not cry out and to whatever. You know, obviously I'm going to try to run if I can, but if I'm caught, I'm going to put my glasses in my pocket. I'm going to die with dignity because that's what he calls us to do. Luke 21 talks about, I love the verse. He says, don't plan what you're going to say uh, when that happens. And he says to to let me let me have the floor. Don't don't plan it out. I've got some stuff to do. Martyrdom has been the greatest thing for the church ever, and it's God's time. It's His time to convert people because it's Christians dying well that has grown the church. Um, read Fox's book Martyrs. It's a great great uh, explanation of what I'm talking about. All right, enough rambling here. I will just move on to the final thing, which is a quick update on the film project. Things are going well. I've been, as I said in the last podcast, really trying to devote the lion's share of my time to the film. Uh, So I have now got, let's see, one, two, three, four sections. Four sections will probably be completed today or tomorrow. Four sections basically done. Um, And I have to do three more sections. No, is that right? No, I'm going to do four more sections after that. Um... I'm hoping I can get it done. I think I can get it done. I think that if I get close enough, I'm just going to not work altogether at my other job and just spend the last two weeks just 100%. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to try to get it out. And if something happens, if the world goes crazy in between now and then, I'll probably release what I do have as like a part one or something. I just can't can't stand by and let uh, the world who is interested in prophecy and stuff not see this film, uh, even if if things are going crazy. So I may do that. That's sort of the uh, nuclear option, nuclear option. (laughs) So anyway, I will please check out the Mark of the Beast flow chart on the website, post it on your social media. It, uh, if it's anything like the one on my Twitter, it will, people will really respond to it. So go to BibleProphecyTalk.com and we'll see you next time. Bye.